morning, church family, and welcome to our ninth week of Cyber Church. Uh, Brooks family here, again, just wanting to reach out and greet everyone, uh, tell you how much we miss you, and look forward to getting together at the well again. But in the uh, view of safety for everybody and everybody's health and well being, well, we'll just be continuing this Cyber Church. But we do so much appreciate the technology and the ability to reach out this way, and we just welcome you again to this service which you can watch anytime, it's not live, and we just uh, praise God for the opportunity. Good morning, everybody. I just had two little scriptures, Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord rejoices over you, and then also Deuteronomy 31.6, the Lord your God will never leave you nor forsake you. I just wanna continue to encourage you. I know uh, myself, I have to remind myself of that every day. Uh, some days are better than others, I'm just being honest. Um, it's a difficult time, but thankfully we have our family and we have a home. And I just wanna encourage each and every one of you how much we miss you. Just miss the fellowship and the gabbing and the laughing. What's going on and in the, the kitchen. Lunch, and, and the, the lunch. And the lunch. And the cheese. And cutting the cheese and the cutting the donuts and just the fellowship time before and after church. and before and after Bible study, just really, really miss that. But God called us to fellowship. So I guess this is the next best thing, but we sure miss you all and we love you and we can't wait to see you and always enjoy texting and Zooming is getting better. Love you guys. Mwah. Bye. Blessings. Hello, church. My name's Mike. I want to share today's scripture reading with you. I'll be reading from Psalm 61, verses 1 through 4. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer from the end of the earth. I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. I like this song. It speaks to me now. We're, many of us are going through some of the most challenging times that we've ever been through and hopefully that we'll ever go through again. But this psalm reminds us that even King David, a powerful and mighty king, slayer of Goliath, had difficult times too. And we have an example of, of what he did when he faced those challenging times. I look at three things from this psalm that that David uh, did. Where did he pray from? He prayed from the ends of the earth. Wherever he was at, he reached out to God and he prayed. He cried out to him. When did he do that? He did it when his heart was overwhelmed, when he felt like he was at the end of his capacity. And we can do that same thing. And lastly, what did he pray? He prayed that he would be led to the rock that's higher than him. And there he would find shelter under the wings of our Lord. This psalm is so comforting in that, that we know that when we pray, we will be led to the rock that's higher than us. And there we'll find shelter. I pray that as we worship him today, that we would all find shelter under his wings. God bless you, everyone.
morning church family hope everyone's doing well I just want to start off by telling you I really miss and love every one of you um, we're gonna be doing meet and greet and once again if you'd like to do meet and greet please email me because not only do people enjoy seeing you on Sunday morning but I also enjoy doing the meet and greet so let's hear from a couple of people from our church body and our Thursday night men's group so let's meet and greet good morning church family 
For those of you that don't know me, my name is Cindy Swallows, and this is my dog, Wrigley. And we would just like to say that we're missing everyone so very much on Sunday mornings and can hardly wait till we can be back together and worship together. I'd like a special call out to my granddaughters, Abigail and Lila Tratner in Redondo Beach. They watch every week and they said they would like to see their grandma on the meet and greet. So here grandma is on meet and greet. Now grandma would like to see Abby and Lila on meet and greet next week. So Abby, Lila, it's your turn. May everybody have a blessed Sunday and I hope to see you all soon. Bye. Hello, hello everybody. Happy to, happy to be here even though it's a sunny bright day. Uh, could be sunny and bright in the Lord. Can hardly wait to get back together with everybody. Uh, God bless everybody till we get back together again. There you go. Well, hello, good morning, church family. Want to say hello from the Thursday night men's group. Hi, everybody. What's up? Hello. hello. Right. God bless you. <laughs> Have a great day. Good morning, church fam. Going to be uh, taking us through uh, our offering this morning. Uh, we're going to be reading a pretty familiar passage in 2 Corinthians on giving. Uh, and then we're just going to touch on another verse um, that really kind of captures the whole essence uh, of giving. So, going to be in chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians and verse 7, if, if you want to jump in and, and read along. Uh, so here in verse 7, it starts off, it says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is also, or God is able to make all grace abound for you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And again, very familiar passage. We know, you know, God's heart for us um, is that we would be cheerful givers. We would enjoy and love to give um, because it's something that, you know, happens in our heart um, and, and not to give out of compulsion or reluctancy. It's pretty familiar. And even when we think of giving, obviously money to, to you know, his ministry to what he has here at the well, we want to we give um, out, of, out, of, out of desire to do that. And Although obviously it is tithing, we're thinking about giving in that way. Uh, I love to touch on just the fact that giving, just in general, is very holistic. It's not like this pinpoint to to money kind of a thing. Although obviously it goes there, but just down a couple verses. In verse ten, um, it says, "He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And I love that, and I know in the past I've shared just a bit when we talk about giving, of uh, giving more holistically. Um, that really, you know, God has obviously uniquely gifted us um, and given us things really to um, to help encourage other people, to help encourage you know the other people in the body. Uh, other people that don't know Jesus. Um, and so I kind of want to just go there of, we're obviously, we're in a unique time. Now, even when times are great, you know, these, these things still apply. It just might be a little more heightened for us because there is a little bit more tension in the air, a little more division, and just kind of weirdness with, with things. 
And um, I just think what better time for us as people that love God uh, to, to really give. Obviously, giving to support what God is doing here at the church um, in Ojai. Uh, but we have great opportunities in our own families, where we go to work, the people that we just see, even our neighbors, um, to, to give. And I often kind of think of just kind of like the love languages, if you're familiar with that. Uh, again, these are just ways, very common ways that we give and receive love. And I just think, and we're all kind of bent towards some, maybe more so than others. And, you know, there's like, obviously there's giving of like gifts or monetary things. Uh, there's giving of time, like spending time with one another. Um, the encouraging words or affirming words. There's also just like affection and things like that. So, you know, just to kind of bring us in the realm of giving more holistically, uh, you know, God has blessed us. He's given us resources. He's given us abilities to to bless people around us. And so, so when I think of our hearts being cheerful and giving, you know, money, like how how is our heart when it comes to giving uh, time to our family, uh, to supporting, you know, our kids? or our neighbors, or our co-workers, um, and especially in a time of tension like this, even like people that have opposing views, like we can really give life to people um, in a very impactful way, because right now what's easy to give is like kind of like daggers and swords at people because we disagree. Um, now, I think there's a time and place for us to to have careful discussion about things, but you know, just kind of the daily things, I think we have a great opportunity to give life and not death, so to speak. Um, and so I just encourage us as we're thinking about giving, again, t talking about giving um, monetarily is how, how's our heart, where's our heart in terms of giving more holistically in our heart toward towards other things. So, um, but in the realm of giving here, uh, um, tithing uh, for the well, um, we have a couple ways you guys can do that. Um, obviously, um, can't really do it how we usually do. We can't pass the basket around. Um, so if, if you're out and about, you can drop your money off at the well at 1290 grand. Uh, there's a little mail slot. Um, you want to go, like old times, go see the place. Uh, you can uh, give money that way. Um, you can also just send it there. Send it to 1290 grand. Um, if you're more of an online kind of person like I am, you can just uh, go to the website or the, the app um, and f just kind of follow the instructions and, um, and do it that way. Um, so again, uh, this is a, a great opportunity for us to give, uh, not just on Sunday, but the, the rest of our week uh, this week. So love you guys. Hope you guys are doing great. And uh, we'll see you next time. Good morning, church family again. I have a few announcements for you this morning. Um, if you could refer to your online bulletin, it goes over all the activities that are going on at the church, such as online groups. And it's never too late to join an online group. So now, let's hear from Kingdom Kids. So get your towels out and get ready to get wet. So here is Kingdom Kids. Hi, Kingdom Kids. Wow, I'm so excited to see you guys here with me back under the big blue sea. Hey, have you guys been to a zoo or an aquarium and seen these animals? Some of them are so big like giraffes and rhinos and the big cats. 
Oh, how about at the zoo? When you see the dolphins and the stingrays. But the difference between zoos and aquariums are that at zoos, they can keep the big animals, but at aquariums, they can't. And there's one animal, one of the biggest and largest living animal today that they can't contain in an aquarium because it's too big. That animal is the largest living creature, which is the blue whale. Did you know that the blue whale can grow as long as a 98 feet long? And did you know that it can weigh as much as 400,000 pounds? That's 200 tons. And this amazing huge creature feeds off the tiniest creatures of the ocean, plankton. And did you know that whales don't like to play volleyball? Yeah, because they're afraid of the net. Some shark that swam by just told me that joke. He thought it was funny, I did too, but anyway. There's no way we could ever build an aquarium large enough to contain the mighty blue whale. It needs wide open spaces of the ocean to survive. It's a beautiful picture just how big and amazing our God is. The Bible is filled of stories that are, tell us just how big God is. God created the whole world. He made every animal on earth big and small. Some of the biggest things God ever has done are the miracles he's performed for people who love him. One such miracle happens in today's lesson about Moses and the Israelites in Exodus 14, 5 through 31. God can do big things for anyone who believes. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, big or small. Just as the tiny plankton can give nourishment to the mighty blue whale, we can be the spark that can cause a big miracle to happen. Check out our link under Kingdom Kids on our website for lessons and other fun activities for your children and the entire family to enjoy. We'll see you next week. I'm going to go play with my friends. Bye. Well, good morning. We're going to continue our study through the book of Ephesians this morning. And actually, we're going to uh, complete chapter one. And if you've been with us uh, since the beginning of the start of this series, you know that Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul to the saints in Ephesus and the surrounding regions. And really at the core, uh, Paul's letter to the saints uh, was really about how to live saintly. And the first three chapters of Ephesians uh, lay some foundational doctrinal truths uh, that really springboard us as believers into uh, how we are to live lives as saints that glorify the Lord. And so this morning, I'm, I'm really excited to look at this final passage in Ephesians chapter 1 because I believe that we are going to be greatly encouraged and equipped specifically in the area of prayer and even more specifically in the area of how we can pray for other believers and even uh, at times when, when someone may ask you or me, uh, hey, do you have any prayer requests? Uh, I, as strange as it may sound, sometimes we're stumped by what to uh, request, uh, you know, when someone says that. And, and I believe at the end of our study this morning, uh, you're going to be able to uh, share a request 
anytime uh, that question may, may come and it's going to be a powerful request. And, and as God answers uh, these specific prayers that we're going to see, I believe uh, you and I uh, are going to experience incredible, incredible transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God. So let's uh, begin. We'll read uh, Ephesians 1, verses 15 and 16. It says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That, that phrase, for this reason, uh, really refers back to what we've been covering the last few weeks together, all the spiritual blessings that are already ours in Christ. Okay, So the Apostle Paul, in these first two verses that we've read, celebrates what he's heard about how the believers in this region have been living out their lives. It says, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. So these two really important uh, fruits, if you will, of, of their lives uh, has come to Paul's knowledge. You know, he's become aware of it. He's heard of it. And faith speaks to their vertical relationship with God through faith in Jesus. And then he's also heard of their love Toward all the saints. Very important. He's heard of your love or their love toward all the saints. If you're at home, say all. All the saints. And, and that, that connection between faith vertically and then that faith playing out horizontally in our relationships through love is extremely, extremely important. We can't separate the two. Okay, Galatians 5, 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So in, in Galatians, the emphasis is not on ritual, it's on love. And what kind of love? Uh, you know that this is what we call agape love. It's self-sacrificial love for the benefit of the other person, not expecting anything in return. That's agape love. That's the, the love demonstrated on the cross. Okay, Colossians 1, 3 through 5 says this, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. So what is the foundation of faith and love? It's our confidence in our salvation. Okay, it's rooted in the hope, the certainty of our salvation. In the verse it says, the hope laid up for you in heaven. Okay, so really this faith and this love rooted in the certainty of our salvation and everything we've been speaking about of the past several weeks. 1 John 4, uh, 10 and 11 says this, This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us 
and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. First John 4.20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And in John 13, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Love. So our faith, vertically, should play out in love for one another. We still speak the truth in love. We can still have healthy boundaries in love. Uh, We may not uh, agree 100% on everything, but we can still uh, love one another. Why? Because we're all part of the body of Christ. Remember, I've shared before that we, we can have unity in the body of Christ without uniformity. Okay, and, and you can't, we have to be very careful that we don't separate a faith from love. And, and how can that happen? How can that, that split kind of happen? Well, well a couple of, of application points, something for you to, to think about in the way that, that maybe in the way we do church here uh, in our culture. Uh, sometimes our faith, sometimes following Jesus becomes a very privatized uh, journey. It's about me and Jesus, and, and then the church and, and, and the church members, the church family are supposed to meet my needs and help me grow. And, and we have to be very, very careful that uh, our walk of faith doesn't really become self-centered, doesn't really become uh, you know, a desire for others to meet my needs and cater to me. That's one way that there can be a disconnect between faith and love. Another way is that our faith can become very heady, very academic, very knowledge and, and you know, being right. Uh, and, and nothing wrong with studying doctrine, nothing wrong with holding a position, uh, unless... It becomes so heady and so academic that rather than loving one another, uh, we come, become consumed with debating, with arguing, with trying to prove our point, and we lose, we lose sight of uh, the really uh, core commandment that we have from Jesus himself. Love one another just as I have loved you. And so this morning, uh, take a moment and ask yourself, reflect, has your faith increased your love for others? And if not, okay, confess that before the Lord, ask his forgiveness, receive his forgiveness. And, And remember, love is a fruit of the Spirit, It's a fruit of the Spirit. And so if you're challenged for whatever reason in loving others, uh, that's not such a bad place to be because it will make you dependent. You you can come before God and say, Father, I need you. I'm really asking that, that 
through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, you enable me to love others in the same way that I have been loved by you, Father. Okay? And then, and then the Apostle Paul uh, continues in Ephesians. He says in verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. So Paul is celebrating what he's heard about their faith and their love. And then he says, hey, I'm, I'm giving thanks for you. I celebrate you. I'm rejoicing. You know, I, I, just, I just thank God for you. And then he says, and, and I pray for you. And I, I, I pray for you. And isn't that kind of interesting? Because Paul is praying for believers who are doing very well. Who are doing very well. And, and, and this is very interesting, uh, this idea of praying uh, for others who are doing well in their faith. Uh, because isn't it, isn't it kind of strange that in the church, when it comes time to sharing prayer requests or praying for others, uh, we tend uh, oftentimes to focus on, uh, you know, struggles and big needs and crisis and, and issues like that. And, and by all means, we should be praying uh, for those uh, situations and those people in need. Uh, but take a step back and ask yourself, well, how... How should we pray? Or I didn't even know we were supposed to pray for other saints who were doing well with Jesus right now. You know, and I was thinking about, I was thinking about that in terms of, of Christmas shopping or shopping for uh, birthday gifts, right? Have you, ever, have you ever struggled with trying to buy something for the person who has everything, right? Isn't that a challenge? It's like, what do they really need? Well, they don't really need Anything, And then it becomes this challenge because in, in your mind, well, what, what do we get them? And, and sometimes in our prayer life, um, you know, we think of various people and, and those that we know are in need. Right away we go to prayer. And, and I wonder how many times those that uh, we perceive or assume to be doing well, uh, quite honestly, we don't pray for them. Because there doesn't seem to be a... a, a perceived need, a perceived crisis, you know, a perceived struggle. And, and John Corson says this, he says, who do you pray for? I have a tendency to pray for those who are hurting, for those who are going through tragedies and difficulties, for those who are backsliding and failing. And that's fine. But here, Paul is saying something very different when he says, when I heard how well you're doing, I was moved to pray for you. And so uh, we're going to be seeing in the next uh, few verses here how uh, we can pray for one another uh, when things are going well. And we're going to see very specifically if someone were to ask you, uh, hey, how can I pray for you? Do you have any prayer requests? If your life happens to be fine or good at, at that exact moment, you will still be able to share these same prayer requests. Okay, so Ephesians 1, 17 uh, through 18, the first half of 18 says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation 
in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Okay, so, so Paul's first sort of general broad prayer request for the saints is that the eyes of their heart, and in the Bible the heart is the center of our being. Okay, it represents who we are, the very core of our being. He says uh, that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your being would be opened, would be enlightened to wisdom, what wisdom is the practical application of God's truth in our life situations. Okay, revelation is the impartation of knowledge. And he's really saying, hey, my first prayer for you is that in your heart, in your core being, you would have your eyes open to God's knowledge and then you would know how to apply wisdom. You would have wisdom with that knowledge and it would be applied practically in your daily life. When it says that he may give you the spirit of wisdom, uh, there's a little bit of discussion whether that means the Holy Spirit or refers to kind of like the, the human spirit, like attitude and disposition. And, and it's not 100% clear, but, but I came across uh, this, this sort of uh, definition or uh, interpretation of it, and, and I thought it was very helpful. It says this regarding the spirit of wisdom. It says, a compromise interpretation is that it refers to the spirit of man indwelt by the spirit of God so that they will have a spiritual, so that they will have spiritual wisdom and revelation from him as a result of the Spirit's work within their human spirit. Right? It reminds me of Philippians where it says, it is God who works in us to, to, you know, to do of his good pleasure. Right? So, so it's both. There's, there's a, co- a cooperative effort of the Holy Spirit, our spirit coming together. Why? So that our hearts and our eyes of our heart would be opened, that we would understand, receive and understand God's word, and then have the wisdom to apply it. Okay? And then he goes on and he says, he gives three very specific things that, that he would like the saints to know about who they are in Christ. And Ephesians 1, uh, 18b through, through the end of the chapter, verse 23, says this, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Okay, so in that passage, there are three specific things that the Apostle Paul uh, prays uh, that the saints would know. The first one is that they would know the hope to which God has called us. The hope to which God has called us. Now, the Greek word for church is ekklesia, and ekklesia means the called out ones. Okay, 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that we have been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. 
right? And so uh, when it says that, that he wants them to know the hope to which God has called us, he's really speaking about confidence, certainty, assurance of salvation, and all the spiritual blessings that were covered in verses 3 to 14. He says, I want the eyes of your heart. I want you to be confident, to be certain of all that you possess in your salvation right now. Inheritance, adoption, everything, redemption, forgiveness. I want you to be confident, certain, assured of that. That's a prayer for them. That's his prayer for them. Okay. The second thing is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Right. And it's very interesting if you read that 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 verse very carefully. uh, It says his glorious inheritance in verse 14. uh, It spoke about the inheritance we have as saints. Uh, But in this verse, uh, he's speaking about God's inheritance. And, and what does that refer to? And, and really, it refers to the church, to us, and how God sees us and, and treasures us and prizes us. Uh, some, some biblical uh, precedent in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 32.9, says, For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted inheritance. Deuteronomy 7.6 For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So what is this speaking to? The apostle Paul wants the saints to recognize that they, that the church is, is God's inheritance and that he loves you. He's, he treasures you. He prizes you, right? He's looking forward to the day that, that, that all things are made right and that he is with his people, right? Away from the presence of sin. We are God's inheritance, and, and, and the Apostle Paul wants the church to really grasp and understand how God sees them. And, and I believe that's so important for us even today. Are you living out your faith in the knowledge? Have your eyes, uh, the eyes of your heart been opened to how God sees you, that he treasures you, that he prizes you, that he's looking forward to being with you? Right? It's so important. What an incredible uh, thing that would be as God answers that prayer request in your own life. The more and more as the days and weeks go on, that more and more you appropriate and believe the truth about how God sees you as his, his inheritance, as his prize, as his treasure. Right? And then the third thing uh, that the Apostle Paul prays for the saints is that they would know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, right? Immeasurable. What does that mean? Surpassing, far beyond all other power. And it's present tense. It's being directed toward us as his children, being directed towards us as the saints all the time. And, and what is the power? 
It's the power that was manifested in the resurrection of Jesus. Think about how much power was manifested in the resurrection of Jesus and that same power, that same immeasurable power being directed towards you, towards me as saints all the time. All the time. Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Romans 6.4, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. I love this quote by John Piper. So my message for believers in Jesus is this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and what became of him after his resurrection shows the greatness of God's power toward us now in this life. Perhaps you can remember three words to capture this message. Resurrection, power, now. What would happen in your life if you prayed that if that was one of the prayer requests for you what would happen in the church if that was a prayer request for for other believers in whatever circumstance those that are doing really well those that are going through some challenges that we would know and we would appropriate the immeasurable power of God that is directed toward us at this very moment at this very moment so there's three things that Paul prays, three requests that apply to us even today, that we would know the hope of our calling, right? That we would understand how God sees us as his inheritance. And number three, that we would appropriate the immeasurable greatness of his power that is available to us at this very moment. Before we take communion, we're, we're going to sing a song that, that really declares, is really about the incredible, incredible love of God, which really undergirds everything we've been uh, looking at through Ephesians chapter 1. How much God loves us. Just the overwhelming amount of God's love and grace. And I, and I really... Uh, want us to use this time to reflect on, on these three areas, these three specific prayer requests that Paul had for the saints in Ephesus and that still apply to us today in 2020. And, and the song is called Reckless Love. And reckless doesn't mean irresponsible in the way that it's used here. What it means is this, that the world sees God's love and doesn't understand it. In the world's eyes, God's love is so extravagant that it may even seem foolish. But that's not what it's about. This song is about God's incredible, incredible love for you and me. His incredible love where he would even leave the 99, right? And, and go find us. Go find you. It's an incredible, incredible love that forms the basis of how we live out our lives as saints. So let's sing this song together. Let's reflect upon the, the prayer requests 
that the apostle made for the saints and these same requests uh, really we can make every day in our own life and these same uh, prayer requests we can make for every other believer. And just think about what would happen as God answers these requests in your life and in my life. So we'll sing and then Bill will lead us through communion and I will come up and close us in prayer. Still you can. 
Well, good morning, everyone. Elder Bill here. This morning, I hope you take advantage of the opportunity that you have to participate in the Lord's Supper. See, there is profound symbolism in this act of obedience to the command of Jesus until he comes. Amen? And we take the bread, of course, which represents Christ's body. This body, Jesus' body, that was broken, essentially to make you and me whole. And the cup, with whatever you have in it, represents Christ's blood, shed as a payment for your sin, the sin that, that he asks us to confess and then repent of. So the elements that you use for communion today, and I hope you choose to do this, whatever those elements are and wherever you are right now, they're just simply elements that you are going to have. And there's nothing in the elements of themselves that is any, there's nothing magical or special about them at all. You see, the bread and the juice are simply going to remain the bread and the juice. But you see, there's something much more going on here. Much more, way more. There's a supernatural component to this communion meal. And you have to get this, you see, because Scripture tells us we have to prepare ourselves for communion, and it tells us explicitly that we prepare ourselves by examining ourselves. So, so, so how do you do that? Well, I suggest that today you can do that. You can do that by simply getting quiet. Maybe what you need to do is just remove any distractions where you are right now. So do that in preparation. Remove the distractions. And then don't prepare and then take communion out of, out of some tradition. Don't do that. Take communion out of faith. You see, the supernatural takes place whenever we respond to the Lord in faith. In faith, he meets us right where we are. And he meets us with his unconditional love and grace. This is the Lord who relentlessly pursues us if we will just take the time to be quiet and receive that love and that grace. So today I encourage you to take communion wherever you are. Take the bread and take the cup. In faith, take the bread and the cup. Supernaturally today, receive the love of God and His grace to meet whatever is your greatest need right now. Today I ask you simply to remove any distractions. Put everything that's going on out of your mind and, 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 and out of your heart for just a bit. And seek the Lord Jesus right where you are, remembering Him and expecting 
supernaturally in the taking of the communion meal, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, expecting that he will meet you right where you need him most. Remembering Jesus as he commanded us to do in taking the elements, the bread and the cup, in remembering him and his supernatural, unconditional, relentless love as he extends that free gift of grace to you in the process. Amen. God bless you guys today. Before we close in prayer, I'd like to share a quote with you by Warren Wiersbe. He says this, the greatest power shortage today is not in our generators or our gas tanks. It is in our personal lives. Will Paul's prayer be answered in your life? Will you, starting today, begin to know by experience God? God's calling, God's riches, and God's power. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that no matter uh, how well our life may be right now or, or how much we're struggling right now, that uh, we're reminded through the Apostle Paul this morning that we can always pray to know the hope of our calling. We can always pray that our, the eyes of our heart would be open to know what it means to be your inheritance. Father, uh, this morning uh, that we can ask, we can request, we can pray to know the greatness of your power, which is immeasurable, that which is directed toward us as your children right now, right now in whatever circumstance we may be in, however good it may be, however much of a struggle it may be right now we can appropriate the resurrection power that is available to us. So, Father, help us to, to understand and to apply and appropriate these truths uh, today and into the week. And, Father, may our lives be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. And in so doing, may you be glorified. We love you. We thank you for our time together. And all God's people said, amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks again for being with us this morning. I hope you have a blessed week. Uh, we love you, and we look forward to being together again next Sunday morning.